Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode. It is currently 10.46 a.m. here in Hawaii. And the weather has changed a little bit since yesterday. Yesterday was a really, really bad day. Super high winds, very foggy, very cloudy, um, very cold. Um, today, um, it's actually sunny, but still very windy. This is kind of the normal winds we get right now, um, which is <laughs> pretty windy. Uh, and um, the cloud cover has actually cleared up a little bit. It's spotty here and there. Um, so the solar radiant heating floor, sorry, the solar radiant floor heating system that I put together for the biogas system is up and running because there's heat to be gained. Um, so it's um, slowly heating up the biodigester. Um, but I do notice that I will have to put the second um, solar hot water heating panel um, in conjunction with that single one that I already have. That way I can give it a boost. And plus two, I was looking at it, it's just sitting under my house, just doing nothing, when I could just connect it and I could be gaining something from it instead of it just sitting under my house. Um, because the reality is, I don't believe I'm gonna be using that other, I actually have two more panels, but one panel's in bad shape, the frame is like falling apart, I'd have to take some time to repair the frame. But the other one that's sitting under my house, you know, I'm not going to be using it for anything else, right? So I might, might as well use it, you know, and put it into use. And then that way I can gain a lot more heat from the radiant floor heating to heat up the bow digester. Now I should give you guys an example. Um, this morning, the bow digester dropped down to 68 degrees. Not good. 68 degrees is the minimum you I want to keep it at, right? Um, and as of right now, it's at already 77, yeah, 71 degrees. Um, and it's already 10.48 a.m. So, um, yeah, it is heating up very, very slow. Um, but if I can put the other one on, I can keep the temperature more at the higher end where I want it, you know. Um, now, I've been on cow patty hunting. <laughs> uh, I had a really good day yesterday um, filling up five-gallon buckets. I went out this morning and I picked up um, three and a half five-gallon buckets. So, um, I'm definitely getting down to, you know, I'm probably, I think I'm going to need about another seven, five gallon more buckets and I should be done. So I'm hoping today I can fill up another four buckets at least. I'm really hoping I can get four more buckets. I'm just kind of driving around in areas that I can drive around with my, my, my good truck. I don't want to bust it up or anything. Um, so obviously I could have easily filled this thing up in a day or two if I had my ranch truck running, um, but I need a part for it. The column, some the the mechanism in the column is um, broken, so I need to get the part to come in for that. So since I can't use the ranch truck, I am using my my newer truck to drive around the ranch and just pick up what I can, you know. Um, but I did hit the landmines <laughs> this morning um, because the cattle were kind of um, in front of my house, and I was able to fill up. Um, two five gallon buckets right away. No problem. It was like, just drive a little bit, you know, scoop, 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 drive a little bit more, scoop, scoop, scoop. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going pretty good now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm down to about seven, five more, seven, five gallon buckets left to fill up the biodigester. And then I can just top it off with water until some water comes out the exit port. Uh, and then once that, that happens then I basically just let it sit, I just want to try to keep it warm as possible. Um, that way it can actually start doing its thing and I'm just going to start waiting for biogas to produce. So hopefully today, between today and tomorrow, 
I'm really hoping I should have all the manure I need um, inside the biogas digester. And then that's it. I just let it sit. I'm going to let it start producing um, gas, let it start multiplying the colonies of microorganisms, uh, and let it do its thing. Now, it will take a few days at least, anywhere between now and a week or so, right? So in this time period of me, um, you know, once I'm done filling the biodigester with manure, there's nothing else I can do besides hook up the other solar hot water heating panel, which is really not going to be too bad. It's going to be pretty quick. I'm um, just getting it over there because it's really heavy. What I'm actually going to do in the meantime, while I'm waiting for the biogas digester to start producing gas, I'm actually going to start working on repairing the wind turbine. Um, the wind turbine um, came crashing down and hit one of my solar panels months and months and months ago. And so since I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of time to wait for the biogas, uh, I figure it's going to be a perfect time to kind of get the wind turbine up and running. Uh, and not only that, that way I have a surplus of energy at night. Um, especially when we have like, you know, you know, many bad days in a row and then at night, you know, so at night I norm before I'll tell you guys a, an example. If I have my wind turbine running with the winds that we get at night, I am able to still utilize a ton of power. In fact, so much power that I'm dumping extra power back into my hot water heater at night. So that's pretty awesome, right? Um, just off the wind turbine. So yeah, the wind turbine will definitely give it a really big um, jump in power. Uh, and, you know, that way I have all this extra power available to me on bad weather days or, or at night when it's dark. Um, that way I can put some extra um, heat um, back into the biogas digester. Um, so yeah, um, we're, we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. I'm mixing it in a slurry. So I got like three or four five-gallon buckets. I'll fill up like three or four at a time if I can, and then I'll use one bucket because it's so heavy. I'll scoop a little bit of manure in, um, put water in there, mix it with the shovel to get into a slurry, uh, and pour it into the bowel digester. And I scoop a little bit more and just keep going, keep going, keep going until I put all of it into the bowel gas digester. So, but man, the wind makes it terrible out there. It's funny, right? <laughs> in life and in energy and anything else, there's always a trade-off to something, right? You know, like, do I want it windy? Mm, not really. But can I gain a lot of extra power? Sure. No problem. So it's kind of a trade-off. You can't really be outside too much when it's so windy because you just get really dehydrated. Um, just because the wind, it's so dry. <coughs> so, yeah, I'm just taking a little break. Uh, and you know what was kind of funny is when I was pouring, the, I was mixing up the slurry, pouring it in. Um, I have to watch the wind because it's so windy that I don't want it to fly back and splash in my face. <laughs> but not only that, I was like looking around and I'm like, hey, there was a really big cow patty um, right on the other side of my power shed. So I went right over there, scooped that one up, <laughs> threw it in, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to get as much as I can done just because I want to get the, the process started. Yeah. Um, last night. Um, I actually went across the island to the opposite side of the island and I went down to Lowe's because we only have one Lowe's on this island. So I went down to Lowe's and I picked up um, two, no, 250 pounds of um, sand um, because the biogas digester I have has, has a storage bag on top of it. Right now it's deflated because it hasn't, been, it hasn't produced gas yet. 
because I'm still starting up the system. But there's pockets. When I bought this system, it came with these bags that have a line that tell you how much to fill each bag up to. And then they also tell you where to position them on top of the biogas digester because the bag is attached to the top of the biogas digester. And they made all these pockets. And so it's all on different areas of the bio digester. And it tells you, you got to put like two bags here, six bags here, you know, and so on and so on. So I went and purchased all the sand last night. Um, and then, so now once I'm done with the manure, that'll literally take maybe an hour to fill up all the bags and put them in their pockets. And what this is going to do is it's going to create the, the, the weight or the down pressure um, on the biogas bag. So that way I don't need to use a biogas um, pump. Now I do have a biogas pump. I've, I've had one since the very beginning when I started all my projects. So I do have one on standby, but I like the fact that I don't need to use it because the sandbags that I'm going to be placing in all the pockets creates the down pressure, you know, creates that, that weight on top of the biogas um, storage bag and creates that pressure we need to move the gas through the lines properly. So yeah, um, I, that's why I kind of like this system I purchased. Many, many really good things that they, the engineers really thought about. I mean, there could have been some improvements on some things, I'll be honest with you guys. But, you know, it's everything has uh, pros and cons, you know. Nothing can be perfect. So, but yeah, um, what else did I get? Oh, I got a irrigation um, box one of those irrigation boxes. That way I can actually cover the circulation pump that I put on the um, radiant floor heating system for that system um, to protect it from the wind and the rain, but mostly just the, the rain. Um, right now I have a bag wrapped around the pump just to keep any moisture or rain, just in case it does rain, um, off of the pump so I don't fry the pump or mess up the pump. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna use that irrigation box to cover up the, the pump to protect it. Um, so yeah, you know, you want to make your investment last a very long time and, um, you don't want to be buying more and more and more things, you know? So, but, oh, I should also state the biogas digester inlet and outlet ports. When the bag is completely like when you first start off and it's deflated, there's, there's no water, there's nothing in it. It sits very flat and everything is just leaning over on itself, like completely just leaning over. But as you start filling up the biogas digester, the inlet port and outlet port start to slowly start standing up on itself because you're filling the biogas digester bag up. And so now it's finally starting to create its structure and start to come up, you know, come together. So I notice um, every time I'm adding a little bit more cow manure and water um, because the bag is not all the way full yet. I noticed that a little bit more and a little bit more the inlet and outlet pipes are starting to stand up more and more and more. As of right now, the I'm looking at it through my window because it's really windy out there. The inlet port is almost completely standing straight up like it's supposed to. Um, the outlet port looks like it still needs to come up, come up some. So, but then again, too, the biogas bag is, or the digester, I should say, is not all the way, um, you know, not all the way full yet. If I had to guess, there's still probably about quarter, because uh, as I've been adding manure, I've been adding water to mix it, right, and then wash down the pipe, so it's been adding volume to it. Um, so if I had to guess, there's probably about a quarter more, or maybe just a hair over a quarter more volume 
that I have to put in there and the bowel gas digester will be completely full. So I didn't want to fill it all the way up and then put cow manure in because I might be washing some of it out, right? So I want to put most of the cow manure in first. Then that way I'm not losing any out the other end yet. Uh, and then I can just fill it up with water until it comes out just a little bit. And then boom, I can stop and just let it do its thing. So, oh, I also picked up some um, gas lines. Um, I already have a, I'm using what's called Home Flex um, gas line. Um, it's a yellow pipe. It comes in a really big roll. Um, you can get them in different lengths. And it makes it very easy. You can, it looks just like PEX almost, but it's yellow and it's made for gas and propane, natural gas and propane. And so you can cut it like PEX and they have their own connectors that you buy to put everything together. So I had to buy some on and off shutoff valves and um, a couple of fittings um, for the holes that I already purchased and own. Um, so I have some time to put the gas line together. It's going to take at least a week or so before the biogas digester even starts producing gas. So there, there is some time easily. And the reason I went with the home flex is because it's not a rigid pipe. A rigid pipe, you have to measure, cut, thread, you know, connect everything together. It's tedious, time consuming, a lot of labor. With this, it's kind of like PEX. You just drill your hole, you run your, drill your hole through your floor, your wall, whatever you're doing, and you run the pipe through to your connector, and you can just route it wherever you want and drill another hole and push it through and just keep going so it's way faster. So it'll probably take me about a day, maybe a day and a half to put in all the gas lines um, for the biogas system. And um, as of right now, I have a propane tank sitting next to my propane stove and oven. That's also going to be being taken out of here. So I'm going to be running double lines, one for propane and one for biogas. Um, the propane tanks will sit in the front of my house on a concrete slab I'm going to pour. And then the biogas lines will just basically route straight to the biogas digester itself. Um, so there is a little bit of work there, but eh, no big deal. No big deal. To me, if I'm getting to the point where I can run my gas lines and, you know, that kind of stuff, I'm getting close to using biogas. So, uh, But, yeah, um, let's see. You know, I was thinking about this last night. Let's say that you didn't want to use biogas and you just wanted to use, like, okay, here's an example. Let's say my off-grid home, as it stands right now, let's say I didn't want to use biogas and I wanted to just use a regular electric stove and an electric oven. And I'm looking at the amount of usage that we, we put onto these items, you know, cooking. I mean, we bake a lot. We bake a lot and we cook a lot. You know, um, it's not just me. You guys got to remember, it's not just me. Um, sometimes there's like eight people here, you know, <laughs> and then sometimes there's like four people here. But there's always more than one person here, you know. And so there's a lot of cooking, a lot of baking. So a lot of gas being used as far as propane as of right now. So I'm thinking, okay, let's say I didn't go with biogas. Let's say that I want to just go and purchase an electric stove. Could I run it? Absolutely, I could run it. The, the problem is, is that an electric stove and oven use an extreme amount of electricity, okay? So my system can keep up with it and run it and no problem. The problem is how long? Because I'm essentially putting a massive heater element that's just dr starting to drain power out of my batteries, right? I'm putting a very big strain on my batteries. I'm putting a big strain on my inverters. I'm putting a strain on everything. And that was the whole reason I went to propane to begin with was because I, I want my stuff to last. 
the less that I abuse my stuff, the less I start maxing things out, the longer they will last. You know, it's kind of like I was giving the example, right? If you're, if you're full throttle on your gas pedal in your car every single day, like you just put a rock on your gas pedal and just let it rip, you know, to the floor, it's, it's not going to take long before your motor blows up, right? But if you drive your car moderately and take it easy and don't abuse it and don't dog it, your car will last a long time, a really long time. So it's the same theory with like off-grid stuff when it comes to inverters, charge controllers, batteries, all of that stuff. And the thing is like these Tesla batteries and these inverters and charge controllers and all this stuff costs a lot of money. And I want my investment to last me a very long time. So the, the thing is, could I run a regular electric stove and oven and all that? Yes, I can. But do I want to? No. I want my investment to last me decades, if possible, decades, right? So especially too, if we have a lot of food waste that we're throwing away, then why not turn it into a type of energy or a cooking source or a gas that we can use, right? So if I had to guess the amount of money, I don't know how much money I have invested right now on the, the new biogas system I put in. Um, I'll, I'll sit down and add it up, but I, I know already it's over, let's see. Um, I'm probably right around 18, maybe not, now nah, I think about $1,800, okay? Um, to set up this biogas system. But then you got to think about like this, our cost of gas, diesel, propane here in the islands are really expensive, right? It's really expensive to begin with. Um, but the, the trade-off is, okay, let's say that I spent the same amount of money on solar. Let's say I wanted to go buy, I would have to go and buy at least one more battery or two more batteries because I'm going to be putting such a big load on my, on my system daily, multiple times a day, in fact, right? Because we cook at least three, even four times a day sometimes. And so I'd have to get two more batteries. Those Tesla batteries are ranging between $1,200 and $1,600 a piece, right? And then I'd have to get, um, you say, another six solar panels, right? So at, just with those batteries and then six solar panels, I'm looking at almost five grand. Yeah, probably about five grand, between four to $5,000, right? But I'm still putting my battery system and my inverters and all that through a lot of abuse, which I don't want to do. So this is the reason why I decided to go towards biogas for all the gas needs for my home here. And I'm using my off-grid home as the experiment because if I can get everything working very flawlessly and working very good, then I will be duplicating this system, not all the aspects of it, but I will be duplicating this, app, this, this um, biogas situation on another property I own. Okay? So we'll see. Um, uh, luckily, on the other property I own, it's not windy at all. It's sunny all the time and hot. It does rain a lot, though, but it's sunny all the time, too. Mostly sunny, and it's, it's a mixture, but it's, there's no wind. And it's more, more down to the elevation is way lower, way, way lower. My ranch house is way up in elevation. We're up in the mountain. Well, the other home that I own is very low. It's, you know... I would say not even, maybe a thousand feet elevation. No, not even. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe a thousand foot. But the, the environment over there is way different. So I won't need a radiant floor heating system for that system because it's just a very hot environment to begin with over there because there's no wind. It's like a breeze comes once in a great while, you know? 
So there's trade-offs. The only reason I'm adding these heating sources to this one is because I have to. Um, I'm trying to counter the environment that I live in in order to keep the biogas digester at a constant or a very stable temperature as much as possible, right? But the other house, I don't have to worry about any of that because the, the environment's completely different. And it's literally across the island. And so it's a completely different environment. I mean, it looks like almost like a forest on that side compared to where I live, where my ranch house is. So <clears throat> there's definitely trade-offs to different things. So don't think that you need a heating element. Don't think that you need a radiant floor heating system. Don't even think that you need a greenhouse to cover it. It just depends on your environment, you know? Because I'll give you an example. On the other home that I'm thinking about implementing this after I make sure everything's going to work properly, I don't need a greenhouse. I don't need a heating element. I don't need radiant floor heating for it. I don't need any of that. All I need is a flat place to put it. I set it up and it's done. So <laughs> trade-off, right? And obviously it would cost me less money because I'm not spending all the money on extra items or my time and labor to construct all these things on the other property because I don't need them all, right? Um, but yeah, um, I love my ranch house. I love um, living off the grid. I mean, every day I have free power, free hot water. I don't have any bills, you know? Um, and, and that could be debatable too, right? Because some people say, oh, well, you spent all the money up front. And yes, I did spend all the money up front. Just like when I built my house, I spent all the money up front. I don't have a mortgage, right? So I don't have to pay interest. I don't have to worry about making my, you know, making bills meet. I don't have to worry about money when it comes to like my off-grid home and all that kind of stuff. Because it's, it, at this point, it's self-sufficient, right? There's no debts. In fact, even my other house has no debts. So, you know, you just have to kind of work with your environment, guys, and try to figure out what's going to work for you. There's no right and wrong answer. Maybe some of you don't want to do biogas or do solar or anything. Maybe you're just listening to the podcast just to kind of enlighten your mind and get some ideas. Or maybe you're thinking about a completely different project, but maybe there's some things that you can pick up along the way of what I'm doing to better whatever you're doing. You know, I'm constantly trying to learn from anything and everything. That way I can try to better my life, better my family, you know. So, oh, and one update, we sold all of our sheep. So for many, many years, I mean, for, for a long time, guys, for a very, very long time, we've had sheep. We have sheep and cattle on this ranch. And at any one time, we would have 500 head of sheep, okay? A lot of sheep. And don't get me wrong, we have a ton of cattle too, tons. But we had tons and tons of sheep. Since that fire came by um, and we weren't able to use the other, um, the other half of the property, we were kind of forced to throw our cattle and our sheep on the front part of the property. That's why it's easier for me to pick up cow manure because they're all in the front of the property now because we're still trying to fix the back um, fence line so that way we can push the cattle back to the back, pro back of the property. But when it comes to the sheep, the sheep were, um, how do I put it? Sheep are good, but sheep are bad. It's, it's good. There's a good and bad to everything. Sheep are good because they're smaller, they're easier to handle, easier to work with per se, but there's just a lot more work because you have to have way more sheep in order to compensate for just the price of one head of cattle, right? One head of cattle, they weigh so much, there's so much meat on them. You know, when, you, when we take them to the market to sell them, um, you know, 
in order to meet the same amount of price point in sheep, we would need, uh, you know, we always need a lot more because they're just smaller animals, right? Uh, not only that, they have an easier time going in and out of the bob wire fencing that we have. And we've been fighting this for a very, very long time um, because the sheep, they have such thick hair that they don't, that they don't feel the bob wire. So, you know, so once they find an area that they can, like the fence line is just like, say, loose enough for them to kind of squeeze through. Once they, they scrape their hair on top of the bob wire because it's so thick, their hair, that becomes like a, a, a reminder to them that they can go in and out all the time. Right. And so next thing you know, we'll have cat, um, sheep all on the back of the property. Sometimes our sheep will escape and go to the property next to us and we have to go over there and round them all up. And I did that for a long, long time. And let me tell you, that gets tedious because you get them all back over, you fix the fence line, and then they find another spot to go through. And when you have 300 acres and tons of fencing all over the place, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a job. It's, it's definitely a job. It's a process maintaining these guys, you know, because they're smaller animals. Cattle, you know, they, they can't just go through. I mean, if they want to really force their way through, they can. The bulls do all the time sometimes. But... More or less, they will stay within the fence line. They don't, they don't break out as much as compared to the sheep. Um, so um, right when the fire started many, many months ago, um, we ended up selling, I think it was like 400-something head of sheep um, to someone. Um, they came and picked them all up, and we, we sold them off. Uh, and then we, had still a, a, we still had a small herd um, of probably about, I think we had like 40 Maybe 40 or, 40 or 50 left, I think. And um, we ended up selling those probably like two days ago or three days ago. We sold them. We just got rid of them. Um, that's not to say that we won't raise um, sheep again in the future. But right now, um, because we're getting out of winter and the grass over here is really dry already, it's kind of a win-win for us because we can liquidate the sheep, collect the money on them. Um, and then that way, they're not... Because here's the thing with sheep. Sheep will eat grass, absolutely, but they will eat the new shoots, the baby shoots that come out. They basically lawnmower your yard, right? They don't like tall grass. They like the new shoots. Well, that's a problem when you have cattle because if they're eating all the new shoots constantly and you have over, you know, about 500 head of sheep, well, it's harder for the grass to grow because there's, you know, because they're eating the shoots, which means it's also harder for the cattle to eat. Not to mention when this whole fire happened, we had a major drought going on at the same time. Um, we ended up losing. We had probably, man, probably 12 or tw anywhere between 12 to 15 head of cattle drop dead because there's just not enough food or it was too hot for them because it does get extremely hot out here. So, um, and, and that's the thing, right? Because we're pushing the cattle into the pasture where we keep the sheep. And the sheep have eaten everything down to like a yard, like a, like a, like a lawnmower yard. And so it's harder for the sheep. And we're bringing in um, bells of hay, really massive, big bells of hay, like day after day after day. And that, that becomes really expensive. Uh, I think we spent about $22,000 just on bells of hay to bring in here to try to keep the cattle alive, right? So now that we're going kind of like I, we can kind of see what's happening with the environment, um, it's going to look like it's going to probably be a dry summer or so. So yeah, we liquidated the sheep, collected the money because they were all nice, big and healthy. 
Now it's going to give the grass some time to grow up a lot higher, um, which is going to benefit the sheep and also not be as dry, you know. So it's a win-win all the way around. Um, maybe in the future we'll start raising sheep again. Um, that's another thing too. When you process cattle or you process sheep, I'll give you an example. Because you have to have so many sheep in order to make up the difference of one head of cattle, when you go to process sheep, you're not just processing one. We're processing hundreds of sheep. And that's time-consuming. That's an all-day event with like six people. Minimum six people processing these sheep. We'll bring them in through the corral, funnel, funnel them through. Then we got to either castrate them or we got to cut, uh, put rubber bands on their tails. We got to give them their shots. Um, then we got to separate them because, you know, we're, the way we raise our, our sheep, we have to separate them in a certain, certain ones get separated, certain ones don't. We keep the mothers with the babies, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Now, when it comes to cattle, you don't need as, as much cattle, right? Because they're already big animals. So when it comes to processing them, is it harder to process them? Yeah, it's, it's harder to process them, yes, in the fact that they're big, they're massive, they got a lot of power behind them. But can we process them faster? Absolutely. You know, we bring them into the corral, we have a squeeze chute, we can bring them in, uh, put them in the squeeze chute, and we can instantly brand them, give them their shots if we have to give them shots. We can castorate them if we have to castorate them, and that's it, right back out the chute, you know? And then when it comes time to round them up to sell them or put them to the market, we just put them in the corral, and a um, cattle trailer or horse trailer pulls right up to our um, chute, and we just open the chute, and we just push them into the cattle trailer, you know? So pros and cons is to everything, guys. Pros and cons is to everything. But yeah, we don't have any more sheep on this property, which is kind of funny because <laughs> ever since that, ever since we, we purchased this property a long, long time ago, the first animal that we had on this property was um, sheep. And then like a couple weeks later, we ended up putting cattle on here too. But that was the first animal on here was sheep. And if I had to guess the amount of sheep that we've had over the years that we've sold, because we usually sell hundreds at a time, we're talking thousands. Thousands and thousands of sheep. Thousands. Thousands. It's crazy. So, yeah. So now only cattle are walking around, which is good because I need their manure right now. <laughs> uh, ironic. So anyway, guys, I don't want to keep talking here. I'm just going to just, you know, talking about life, talking about the ranch, talking about the biogas digester, just going to give everybody some insights of what's happening, um, the, you know, the differences between things, and I, and I hope the information finds you well. So stay tuned, guys. Um, hopefully tomorrow I have a bigger update. Um, I'm trying to see if I can get all the manure in there and be done, but we'll see. We'll see. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys on the next one.